Hi everyone and welcome to Dance Podcast Season 3. I'm your host Jasmine Cook. This is a dance science podcast presenting discussions with global industry leaders aiming to make research and information more accessible and enhance dancer well-being, health and training at all levels of the sector. New episodes every Monday 6am London time. Hi everyone and welcome back to Dance Podcast. I'm here today with Lauren um, who's a sports therapist and I'll let her introduce herself a little bit more. So Lauren could you tell us a little bit about your background, how you kind of got into your job now, your background in dance, yeah just a little bit about yourself. Cool. Um, hi, everyone. Um, yeah, so I'm really excited to be on the podcast today. Um, so yeah, my name is Lauren. I'm a graduate sports therapist. Um, I graduated from Chichester University. Um, I've got a sort of a fitness personal trainer background um, prior to that. Um, and then I did my master's at UCL. So in terms of education, that's where I'm coming from. And my master's was in performing arts medicine. And that's kind of what took me down the, the dance route, really. Um, I also love dance myself and I've danced on and off since I was seven. Um, nothing elite or anything fancy, but I just absolutely love to be in a studio. Um, and I now do sort of casual dance classes and do a bit of commercial dancing. And I work with a company called The Neptune Girls. So, yeah, dance has always been a passion. Um, and then from there, I kind of... Like I say, I did my master's and I decided that there wasn't really enough people looking after dancers, um, especially now where I am in Chichester in the South Coast. Um, everything seems to be very much London based in terms of like dance rehab. Um, it is getting better. But we thought, hang on a minute, we need some more people down here doing some more sort of sports therapy stuff. So, yeah, that's that's where I kind of ended up. And um, now I'm actually a freelance um, mobile therapist. So I go around to people's um, sort of studios or houses, depending on who's booked me in. Um, whereas before I had very much a clinical background. So yeah, I'm, I'm out on my own now, guys, and doing some teaching as well. So yeah, all good. Yeah, that's perfect. I was going to ask a little bit later, but I'm just going to ask now because I'm curious. So the Masters at KCL, I know a few people who have done that or like gone down that route. Can you tell us a bit more about it? So what's it like as a program? What did you kind of learn from it? Why did you go and do it in the first place? How did that kind of lead in? I've kind of yeah. jumped forwards if you're looking, but yeah. Um, so for me, um, I was, I basically, I think I'd been graduated for about three years um, and I was working in a clinic alongside Nuffield Health at the time. And I just started to get drips and drabs of people that were like musicians or dancers or had these like unique performance based sports. And I was like, well, I actually don't really know that, that much about that. Um, although we do get taught about lots of different sports in sports therapy, dance wasn't really kind of emphasized. So I just started getting those sort of patients and I was like well is there a course on that because I love dance I think I could help dancers how can we mix this together um so I went on a bit of a hunt for courses and actually there wasn't that much out there to be honest um I wasn't that keen on doing dance science you'll find later I'm, I'm terrible with stats and I'm not really that excited about doing research in terms of doing all of the data myself so I was like hmm, not sure that's for me um and I love the clinical side so I was kind of looking for something that was medical based and I ended up at the the UCL course um and it was great because it had so many different modules on it which covered so many bases so I absolutely loved the fact that you you didn't only look at dancers you looked at circus performers singers actors all sorts of people um it was brilliant um, so yeah that's you know how I ended up picking that course in the first place and yeah the modules were great you know we got to do loads, like road trips to the Royal Ballet and we went and like saw the physio department there um, we went and saw the sort of circus school and 
we worked with like experts in their field in every area of performance so I knew I'd come out with this like rounded skill set basically where I could go out and then say right if you're a performer I know how to assess you now and how to treat you a bit more specifically um so yeah the, the, the course was fantastic I'd recommend it to anyone um there is there is clinical in it which is why I would say if you're sports therapy or physio or that way inclined um it's got a, a nice medical element to it hence the medicine part of the name of the degree um so yeah that's you know it was it was excellent and I loved it yeah for sure and obviously you moved from Chichester to London to do that right so then did you come back down no that was after no I am. Um, I did that part time actually. So I was still running a clinic, and then I went down to London one day a week. Um, and I was actually living in Chichester, so I'd have to go and stay with my mum in Woking and Surrey, get the train in the morning, <laughs> and then come back, and I'd probably try and squeeze a client in occasionally as well. Like it was mad, but I did it. <laughs> oh my God. So, what would you say? What's the difference between the two kind of communities of sports medicine or like sports therapy there, and then sports therapy back a bit further down south? What's kind of what have you noticed between the two? Well, I think just the exposure to dance medicine and, and kind of being around performers in London is so much more. Um, you know, it's it's really common that you're going to come across people that are performing because of the location, basically all the theatres and stuff being around, all the schools being there. Um, obviously, the level of dance is a little bit higher um, in terms of like the Royal Ballet are there, et cetera. Um, so yeah, your exposure is, is massive there. Um, and also for the South, really, I mean, we've got, amazing dance schools here that you know in fabulous competitions and you know really up there one of them just qualified to the dance world cup so like we've got great schools but we don't really see much of them like they're not advertised as much um they don't have so much of a network whereas in london they're really starting to build up that multidisciplinary team where they've got clinics that are especially for dancers they've got you know collaborations with um i adams is it and stuff and you know, there's a lot more out there for people in London, I think, whereas South is it's still growing. So, yeah. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you do at the moment? So as a mobile sports therapist, what's kind of you mentioned that you work with quite a few younger dancers um, like sort of from 11 up ish, I think you said. Can you tell us a little bit about your work? Yeah. yeah just what your day to day life looks like at the moment. So we have a bit of background. Absolutely. So um, I see a really wide variety of patients, so not just dancers, um, but the dancers I do see, yeah, they're kind of 11, 12 up to about 16, 17, um, and they are predominantly part of local dance schools. So um, what I've tended to build at the moment is people reach out to me if they've got any concerns, if they've got any sort of niggles or injuries or anything they want to talk to me about. Um, and I tend to um, either go to their house, you know, with where their parents are, or if they're at a dance studio, sometimes I can just bring my table along to that. Their teacher's there, they can kind of supervise and, and see what's going on at the same time. So it just depends on the situation. But yeah, I either travel to them or I go to the studio. Um, and yeah, it's normally an assessment of whatever's going on. And then we come up with a, a really thorough treatment plan um, and we follow up on that depending on how much they need me. So you work with, when you work with young dancers, is that normally when they're injured or do you ever do like prehab or? So I'd say I've probably only really been working with the younger ones for the last couple of years. Um, like I say, in clinic, I'd just get random people coming in. But but now I'd say with the younger dancers, it's either they've got an injury. 
So they'll come in and they go, yeah, I've pulled my hamstring or this is hurting. It's uncomfortable. How can you help? I've got a comp in four weeks or some, you know, it's normally quite a dramatic, like, oh, I've got this coming up. Um, or like you say, I, I do have some prehab, but that's normally because they've come to me with a niggle. We've rehabbed it. And then they've gone, oh, now I know I need to look after myself. I'm going to do some prehab. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it starts with an injury or a niggle most of the time. And then it falls into a nice pattern of actually following a rehab plan. Yeah, perfect. So looking at that kind of younger dancer population then, what's the importance of working with them at this age? So what foundations can we start to build on? I actually looked at it a little bit in, obviously this will come out way after I like start recording it, but this week's episode that's come out as we're recording, looked at strength and conditioning and young, young dancers and Rob talked, I don't know if you've listened to it, but Rob talks so much about like how we can build the foundations and I'm really interested in it. So what's your, what's your take on it? Like, why do you think it's so important? Um, just from a, a general theme I'd say when I assess young dancers is although they are really flexible and they are strong in certain ranges like ballet for example is brilliant at training their sort of global muscles and really getting those deeper muscles firing but what I actually find is that they haven't got that much stability particularly through the pelvis and the lower limb so like for example there's an exercise called a glute bridge where I'd say nine times out of 10, my dancers, when they first come to me are all over the place, they're wobbling. They've really not got that much stability, which you would think they would because of the type of training they do, but often they're so focused on flexibility and um, performing tricks and getting their leg as high as they can and you know doing all of the fancy stuff. That I think we lose that foundation of stability. And I think that's where things like your Pilates and your strength and conditioning really, really helps. Um, and I think that really does need to be built on and it can be done. You know, I, I listened to Rob's podcast. It was great. Really interesting. Yeah. So for strength and conditioning for young dancers, like drawing on this kind of through a rehab process, I guess, is that what last time you said kind of your focus is generally more on what does that look like for your dancers? So is it kind of a lot of prescribing home programs or is it mostly work that you do with them? What's that process like? So um, like I say, it varies. Like I say, I, I will probably get one dancer come to me with an injury and then we rehab through that with whatever, whatever strength and conditioning we need to do appropriately and we'll, we'll load them progressively till they're back to dance. And then what we tend to do then is we look at, okay, well, where are your weaknesses? And then how do we then target that, including your current training? So most of the time, I think we talk about periodization at some point today, but most of the time we have to work around their comps. Um, so what I tend to do is try and make sure that they're getting adequate rest and doing a bit of strength and conditioning mixed in with their kind of conditioning classes and then not overloading them near competition because obviously that's when they they need to perform the most so yeah it's a fine balance really um but we tend to set them sort of uh, sort of personalized programs and um, I'm often on the floor with them in the studio doing all sorts of crazy pilates moves or lifting weights with them um we use a lot of resistance bands and stuff as well just to make it more functional for them um, I also use a really great app called PhysiTrack, which helps me track their progress. So I'll put them like I'll put a program together for them, which has got like videos and stuff. And then um, they can track their pain levels and I can see how often they're doing it. So a bit sneaky like that. I can keep an eye on them. <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, generally it's a personalized program based on their weaknesses and their strengths and, and what they need to balance out versus their performance targets. Sure. And what's their engagement with it like? Do you find that they're quite engaged and they're willing to learn or do you find that it's hard to get them to do it because it's not specifically dance, I guess? 
honestly it's it's a bit of both it really does vary on individuals um I don't know if you get this theme but generally for me most of the dancers I work with are very driven and very goal orientated anyway so I don't think they have a problem with being set a target and a goal but what I do find is I often find myself having to rein themselves them in a lot because they want to go 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 and you know rush that rehab process and a lot of the time it's me going no you need to get the basics right first and then we can move on and like end up releasing one exercise at a time like you can't do this one until you do this one because <laughs> if you give them the six-week program they'll rush through it and be like oh yeah I sort of my hip hurts again now it's like hmm, <laughs> I wonder why <laughs> so yeah it's a lot of um sort of load management with them really but um they do engage they love it but yeah it's um it's just making sure they don't overdo it is the biggest challenge I think Mm-hmm. yeah no definitely I find that with mine for sure they're very very driven and they'll if you set them a target they'll definitely try and meet it straight away they're just which is amazing but obviously comes with with things you have to look at as well um so let's do periodization now then shall we it fits in fits in quite well is it periodization or is it more load monitoring up to kind of their competitions and just keeping an eye on it yeah, I'd say the latter. Um, for me, what I've noticed, and particularly with the schools in the South, I don't know if this is a theme everywhere, but the comps are pretty much year round. Like they do have lulls where, you know, you have like holidays like Christmas and summer and stuff. But most of the time, actually, they they want competitions as much as they can. So, you know, the schools tend to book up, you know, three or four in a row sometimes, which is quite hard to manage. But equally, you know, the girls are ready for it. They just need a little bit of support. Um yeah often I find that I'm literally just making sure that they're not um overstretching at home overtraining um and they're focusing on the performance element but also a lot of the schools I work with they're very acro based as well so they do a lot of like jumping around and throwing their legs up in the air and all sorts of somersaults and basically gymnastics to be honest so <laughs> it's like a really extreme um sort of look so what we often find is that I'm trying to get them to not do so much of the bigger tricks nearer the comp so that they can kind of maybe do some some rehearsal but not going full out um so it's a lot of you know like I say I'm literally reining them in all the time <laughs> um sometimes they can um do really well with that and actually they, they start learning from experience that they get you know more injured if they overdo it and sometimes they just have to learn the hard way so <laughs> it just depends <laughs> Yeah, just out of like curious, like curiosity for a bit of background, I guess. How many times a week are the kids dancing that you see? Like, is it every night of the week, or I'm just trying to like compare it to my my lot? Six days, really. Like, I have to argue with them to have a Sunday off. Okay. Yeah. They, yeah. They often don't really know what a full full rest day is, really. Um, and I don't. It's not always. It has to be, you know, lay in bed all day. But it's more like active rest of like just going for a walk with your dog or like not doing dance for one day I think is probably quite a nice way to to get them to to you know deload but sometimes that's not always possible in which case I'm kind of encouraging them to have baths or you know just chill out a little bit sometimes and actually look after their body um but yeah six days a week they've always got different variety of classes as well so often they're doing ballet then they're doing acro then they're doing like a skills based thing or jazz so it's never the same thing each night um which is great but also can be quite challenging to manage if they're injured okay sure. um so communicating with dance teachers is obviously a huge part of supporting dancers do you find that it's quite easy to communicate with the teachers that you work with I mean I know you can't change a whole studio schedule or anything like that but do you find it's quite easy to work around 
what's already set with the teachers um and yeah I guess I kind of love to know what do you what would you wish that you could tell dance teachers if you could tell them one thing yeah there's a few things with that so um for me personally at the moment I find it quite challenging to actually get that line of communication rolling I'm normally really happy to sort of build the connection initially if they've got a dancer that's injured or they've got questions I'm I'm open any time of day they can call me email me whatever works for them um, but what I tend to find is that everyone's schedule is so busy that actually getting a, a regular kind of check-in which I think would be really nice is if we could have more like monitoring moments of like well how's that dancer getting on how's she getting on and you know maybe you need to keep an eye on that hip and I think a, a more regular dialogue would be great um, but whether that's actually feasible or not you know everyone is just so busy aren't they and it's, it's difficult but what I did find actually during lockdown is um, I had quite a few nice zoom meetings or phone chats with people because you know they did have a bit more downtime and they went in the studio so that was quite nice um, I think maybe we need to utilize the online platforms a little bit more um, and maybe get a bit of you know pre-class dance handover stuff maybe I don't know um, that would be great um, so I'd say maybe just the the initial contact's fine but keeping an eye on people is a little bit more challenging I think yeah so what do you think that dance teachers could do to best support their students who are injured like what would your advice be so obviously keeping an open line of communication with everyone who's supporting that dancer what else would you say there is um I mean yeah I think the communication thing is a big thing and also just uh you know keeping an eye on the dancers sort of mental health with it as well um I've had a couple of dancers that have had like more serious injuries where we've kind of encouraged them still to go to rehearsal if they want to and like integrate themselves with the dance school still still go to socials so they don't feel that they're you know too far away and I think having those conversations with your teacher regularly you know as a dancer who's injured is really important um and yeah I guess just maybe doing a little bit of CPD as well as a teacher. Um, I know there's some great stuff out there um, where you can kind of learn a little bit about common injuries and how to prevent them. And this is the sort of role that I'd like to take on a little bit more is a little bit more of an educational sort of workshop thing for teachers um, and parents as well. You know, I think they're important. Um, just getting everyone on board and sort of learning what the do's and don'ts are and how they can support a dancer if they are struggling. Like mental health obviously is really important too. So. Yeah, I think just communication and some education tools, really. Yeah, and we'll look at education a little bit more in one minute. Just really quickly first, can I ask what um, like other challenges are there in your work? So there's the challenge of kind of working around studio schedules and working with teachers, which I know a lot of people come up against. But what else do you find is sometimes challenging in your line of work? Um, I think there's a few things, nothing too crazy, but I, I think it's better now but when I first started assessing younger dancers especially um there's a bit of a, a sort of gap where you can communicate with GPs and orthopedic surgeons and build that kind of uh, network in terms of healthcare professions so I found myself having to do that off my own back quite a lot whereas other professions might not struggle with that so much so um finding surgeons and orthopedics that are familiar with dancers for example and you know want to get them back to dance as opposed to just walking um you know you, you almost need a specialist in that to be able to get them to where they need to be um or just have a bit more of a understanding on sport um you know because they're athletes so you know we don't want someone who's not got that that vision for that dancer um so yeah i've worked quite hard to build a few sort of networks there but there's still more to be done i think um 
And I'd say that, you know, working alongside GPs is great, but also they don't, they probably don't get enough training in, you know, sport medicine and, and rehabbing dancers either. So, you know, it would be lovely, wouldn't it, if all GPs got, you know, a little CPD video on, you know, if you get a dancer in clinic, this is the sort of stuff they need to be doing. So, <laughs> you know, but whether that's realistic or not, I don't know. But yeah, I'd say just other healthcare professionals and networking, um, there's a lot more to be built on. Um, that's probably the biggest challenge I'd say for me. And like you say, just just making sure everyone's on board and in, on the same page and communicating. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think Din Idoms have like a program that connect mm. like healthcare professionals. I didn't really know that much about it, but I think they have like their dance injury clinics, right? And then does that feed into, is that right? It does, yeah. And that feeds into a lot of the schools that are not in the South. <laughs> so like this, I just say the network down here isn't isn't really there yet. Um, really interesting though, over the last couple of years, um, the University of Chichester, they've now got a dance science department um which is amazing because that means that there's also um there's also a physiotherapy degree that's just come out and that's obviously where I did my sports therapy so there's those three areas now where hopefully they're going to start collaborating a bit more and we can start building that network but until then really actually there hasn't been that much of a network so um yeah hopefully the the process that Nidams have set out will filter down here fingers crossed okay <laughs> so education is really really key and we spoke about it for the dance teacher but also for students on their own bodies and their own injuries um how do you do this in a way that's kind of friendly for the students age so if they're a little bit younger how can you help them to help themselves and help them understand what's going on um so I haven't actually had the chance to do this with dancers yet but I did a little uh injury prevention workshop with a um, local swim team and we just hired like a little conference room in the local leisure center. So I did a really short presentation. It kind of had some fun videos and slides and stuff in it. But I basically just gave them a load of resistance bands and was like, right, I'm going to teach you loads of exercises. And then they had a little worksheet and we played some games and just sort of made it a bit more fun. Um, so that was good. And then their parents were also there. So then they could kind of take note and take that information away with them. Um, so what I'd love to do a bit more is that sort of thing where we have like workshops where you have sort of a little bit of education mixed in with a bit of fun with some equipment um you know and they all get to have a go maybe you put some music with it you know if they love dance they're gonna love that so um yeah I think that would be a really nice way to integrate integrate that education section um but they all love it like I think it's just finding the time isn't it really oh yeah I was just gonna ask then um so you've worked obviously you work with like other young athletes how do you find that dancers compare so what similarities and differences are there between working with young dancers and working with other young athletes oh good question um I think in terms of young athletes I'd say um they tend to be doing a lot more um like multiple sports so a lot of them will be sort of trying lots of different things playing different sports they might be really good at two or three um dancers just want to dance <laughs> like they'll go to school and do sport and PE and stuff of course but like I find that that really is their passion and that's all they're driven to do like you say they're they're sort of training six nights a week and their social lives are very different as well they kind of they have to prioritize going to class over socializing and stuff so obviously they socialize within their own groups but I find the social aspect quite interesting because they're very dance related aren't they as, as groups of dancers whereas the other the other disciplines maybe not so much I think they tend to mix a bit more um which has got pros and cons I think um 
but yeah, in terms of injuries and stuff, I'd say dancers definitely have a theme, especially young dancers. Um, we see a lot of repetitive stress injuries, um, mainly sort of in the lower limb. Um, so I've, I've given you a couple of links for papers, but there's, you know, really common injuries that we'll see all the time. So um, things like your, your tendinopathies in the patella, um, Achilles issues, impingement of the ankle, uh, label tears, like these are all things where dancers are throwing their legs up past, you know, 90 degrees, really. So um, I think the injuries you actually see are more specific with dance um, and therefore the rehab process often seems to be a little bit more specific to that. Um, whereas other athletes, I tend to be doing more generalized sort of strength and conditioning. Um, uh, this, I find dance is a lot more specific and you have to really think about the tasks that they're going to need to perform. So, you know, it's getting them back to a level of flexibility and strength at the same time. It's always such a, a balance. Yeah. Do you think there might be value though? This isn't on the prompt sheet. This is just me thinking, but is there not value as well in training dancers like other young athletes so keeping that kind of broad base early on and then tapering it as they get older like is that maybe something to consider too yeah 100 percent. like I you know really really support that and like uh, me and the other guy from your podcast were saying was it Robert mm-hmm. um you know, yeah that that baseline strength in in all of the big global muscles all of your stabilizers like that would really set them up for a strong long career um so yeah I really think that's something that as rehab specialists we need to be instilling early um you know education workshops instilling that would be great um I'd love to do like youth pilates and get them all doing that early I think that'd be brilliant um yeah I think that you know sometimes we forget in dance that it's not all about the tricks and the the acro and the the you know crazy moves it's actually really about having longevity in the in the industry so yeah baseline strength is is brilliant yeah so you mentioned about giving students set goals to help them kind of see their progression and which is definitely important and I think maybe less important for dancers because they probably do it themselves anyway um but it's obviously an important factor in helping students to progress so can you tell us a little bit more about how you do this and also the effects that you see so what's the impact of setting goals for your clients patients yeah patients Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So for me, I think what I like to do is a bit of a baseline screening, um, which is something that I think everyone should be doing in any dance school, really. Um, if they're not already, they should be um, just to see where they are and see where their deficits are. If they're not injured, that's still important because it's going to be preventative. Um, but if they are injured, it gives you a really you know, good idea of their biomechanics and, and where they are. And then from there, we tend to, like I say, we'll plan out their calendar. So we'll look at when they've got comps, when they've got rest time or downtime, um, and we'll tailor their program based on their load. Um, And what I tend to do with that is I'll set them mini goals. So like I say, I'm not going to give them eight weeks worth of training because they'll just do it all and rush. (laughs) So we then break it down into smaller segments of targets. Um, And what I tend to do is try and integrate it with their warm up or their cool down as well, which I think is key because sometimes they just don't have the extra time to sit at home and do it for 20 minutes, you know, Um, or they'll sit at home for 20 minutes in the splits watching TV. So, (laughs) you know, it it goes both ways. But um, yeah, we tend to try and integrate it into their life as much as they can because they're they're working late, they're dancing late. Um, So, yeah, as as, as integrative as we can be. Um, And then, yeah, in terms of the goals, like I say, I use tools like Fizzy Track. Or, you know, I'll video them doing their own exercise and they can hear my voice giving them coaching. So then they can then watch that video back. Um, but like I say, Fizzy Track's great because I, I track their 
adherence as well. So they click it every time they do the rehab program and they can tell me if they've had any pain. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of the way we do it. Um, in terms of what they want to do as goals, it's normally just to perform and do a good job. So we often work with them, their teachers on like, if they've got a solo, for example, they'll send me a video of what their solo looks like. And then I know what moves they need to be able to do, how what level they need to be working at. You know, if there's any in problems with technique, I can work with that teacher. So that's a big thing. I think we need to do a little bit more analysis on videos and work with each other that way. Um, but yeah, it's fun. All good, all good fun. Yeah. <laughs> what does the baseline screening involve? For Can you just give like an outline of what kind of things you test and look for? Yeah, I mean, at that age, really, it's things like just general flexibility um, pelvic stability. So like I say, it's something like a squat or a glute bridge and just looking at how their mechanics are with that. Um, you know, I, for me personally, turnout is important, but it's not the be end all unless they want to be a professional ballet dancer. You know, a lot of them are doing so many different types of dance. I don't want to, you know, emphasize that too much, but equally it's nice to see where they are to see if there's any imbalances. Um, yeah, and then things like power. So we like to look at sort of like the single leg um, hop test um, just to look at where they are with that because they do a lot of jumping. Um, general endurance as well. You know, if they're training, you know, for three hours each evening or something crazy, then I need to know they're, they're able to cope under fatigue. So yeah, it just depends on, on the dancer really, but those are my kind of generic tools um, and any kind of movement screening. So uh, just looking at basic mobility of each joint and seeing if we can get it to where they need to be. Yeah, perfect. The last thing I want to ask you about today, you kind of mentioned it earlier, is about like the potential for future educational workshops for dancers and maybe where you want to go next. So maybe that might lead to a more preventative approach to dance injuries. Um, what do you think this might look like maybe in your work or what would you hope to achieve with this in the future? Yeah, so um, I think just thinking about the sort of forward plan, would I'd really love to kind of be affiliated with a dance school um sorry dance schools plural um in the south basically so myself and maybe sort of a team of other uh, professionals so um I think you know Dr Lucy Clements um she's actually a good friend and colleague um she's doing a lot of good work on the psychology and the mental health side of things um it'd be great to get someone in nutrition on board you know some other experts like strength and conditioning coaches um and basically just affiliate ourselves with schools and then either go to them and do you know workshops that work around them or you know in an ideal world have a little base camp where people can come and see us and you know watch a little presentation like I say do all the the fun exercise stuff and um, have a Q&A section have the parents come if they want to have a studio where they can do some Pilates like integrate it all into a, a place where people can come and get educated um, it'd be nice to have a bit of an online presence as well with that I think you know, it should be accessible to everyone. So, you know, if they can't make it, they should be able to jump on, online and, and rewatch stuff. Um, but yeah, I think collaborating and just having, making sure that each school has a team to go to. So I think what happens is dancers get injured and then they go, oh, and they just jump on Google and they might get the first therapist that's available, but do they know about dance? Maybe, maybe not. So actually everyone having a little like team associated with each school would be great. Yeah, definitely. That sounds really exciting. I would love to see if that if that ever happened. It would be really cool. Um, thank you so much for your time today, Lauren. Is there anything else you'd like to mention or discuss? Um, 
do you know what I think we covered most of my most of my stuff really um you know I think I've sent you a couple of like links to some Instagram people that I follow because for me that's like a really great resource um there's some really great therapists out there that do some really good educational videos um so feel free to sort of post those and check those out um I'd say one of the most the most common like injury I'm seeing at the moment is like hip injuries and there's this brilliant guy um called the hip physio I don't know if you've come across him yet but he does some really, really good educational tools for like anyone who just wants to sort their hips out, basically. So that's my sort of the guy I'm following this week and really researching into. But um, yeah, there's loads of great people out there, guys, that are, are doing some really good education stuff. Um, and same for teachers. There's some really good CPD. Um, and I just think, you know, learn as much as you can, really. Yeah, for sure. I haven't come across that, so I'll have a little look into it, but I'll link all of those things in the show notes. So if people want more information, they can go and have a look. But yeah, definitely. We've covered a lot today. So thank you so much for your time, Lauren. It was great to chat. You're very welcome. Thank you. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. Tune in again next Monday. And in the meantime, follow at Sidelance Podcast on Instagram. It would also be so appreciated if you have a moment, if you could please rate and review on Apple to help the podcast grow. Bye.